Linda McHenry, host of the Writer's Voice podcast. And today we have a panel of three wonderful mystery writers. Sarah Osborne writes cozy mysteries, specifically the Didi Brown series. Richard J. Cass writes a mystery series about Elder Darrow. It's a jazzy noirish series. And crime writer Joe Gannon writes all kinds of neat stuff about his experiences in South America when he was a journalist. So thank you, panel, for joining me. It's great to see you. Great to be here. Great to be here. All right, so I think what people love is the fact that writers write all different kinds of stuff. And although the four of us write mysteries, we do it differently. So my first question to you folks is, what is your process when you write villains? Because of course, mystery, someone has to die, someone has to be a murderer. So what is your take on that? I'm going to start with Dick. Tell me what you love about creating villains. You know, I think the interesting thing about creating a villain is making a villain that's a good enough character to match your hero or heroine. Typically, the protagonist of your book wants something, right? And they want something important, something that's very important to them. And the challenge, I think, is to, is to create somebody in opposition to that that wants either to keep the hero from getting what he or she wants or has his own desire that's in direct conflict with the protagonist. So, you know, the thing that's hardest, I think, is making sure that you make your villain round enough as a character that they're not some kind of archetype or kind of a flat cardboard sort of thing. Yeah, totally 100% awful and, you, you know, that kind of thing. Joe, what's your take on creating villains? I love doing it. And I agree with Dick that, first of all, I have to be extremely three-dimensional. In a couple of my um, uh, my Ajax Montoya books, there was a uh, villain who kind of did all of the killing, and yet there was another villain behind this villain, the master puppeteer, as you were, who was a, I, I, if I can talk about my own character, who was a really well-rounded uh, three-dimensional character. I don't believe in villains necessarily have to be people who were hurt when they were young, the um, abused child that goes up to become the serial killer. There is also the kind of the sense of the Iago character from Shakespeare, who simply decides, if I can't be a, a hero, then I'll be a villain, who simply acts out their villainy because they kind of like it. They're just evil. So I really believe in a way you have to find a way to kind of love your villain in a way. There's got to be something you understand or can relate to. They cannot be totally alien to you, I don't think. There's got to be something you admire about them. And okay. so I think, again, that three-dimensionality, they have to have agency and, and a purpose. It can't just be a mindless desire to slaughter. There's got to be something behind it. Okay. And Sarah, in your mysteries, there isn't slaughter. So you approach <laughs> villains differently. So tell us how you would approach your, creating your villains. Yeah, because I write cozies, my, the demarcation is pretty clear between my good guys and my bad guys. So mm -hmm. they're not always fully rounded. But what I find sometimes is I choose a murderer and then by the end of my first draft, which is a serial draft, I like that person too much. So I have to switch my murder and just kind of make sure I have all the clues that go into it. So probably with each book, I'm getting a little more sophisticated about not making my villains just totally black people. So I think the points were well taken. It's better if you make them 
Right. Well, and, and what I find is for some reason, I really get into the minds of villains because they're so different from me. So I can let my imagination go. You know, if I were to do something, I have certain rules and values and there's only certain things I can do. But if I'm in the mindset of somebody else, there's no rules. And I kind of like the idea of making sure that my villain has a really, really good positive trait because there's got to be reasons for other villains to like that individual. So again, I think we, you approach it from different ways. So when you're writing a book, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. What do you find as the most difficult part of the process? You know, so if you're going to write a book from start to finish, what's the toughest part of that process for you? For me, the toughest part is when I finish the first major revision and I'm sending it off to my first set of beta readers. So I have two sets of beta readers. I have mm -hmm. serial readers too. But there's that moment when you're revising it again and thinking, oh my God, this isn't working at all. And you send it off. And then there's a month while I'm waiting to hear what people say, imagining they're going to say, oh, this doesn't work at all. So that's my most tense time, I have to say. Dick, how about you? What do you find the toughest part of the process? You know, my least favorite part of this whole thing, and I'm, I actually, there's a ton. Obviously, we wouldn't do this if we didn't love to do it, at, at, <laughs> at least most of the time. Right, yeah. My most difficult part, I think, is what I would call post-production, which is when things are pretty well set. I've been through all the drafts. I've been through the editing. I've been through what revisions I'm going to do. And I'm in kind of a stage that, that I would call something like the final polish. And I do things like have the computer read the book back to me <laughs> or I read it out loud. And that is usually a very painful kind of process <laughs> because the clinkers and the stinkers, um, you know, they're all over the place. You know, I talk, when I do classes, I talk to people about the Mego effect which is after a certain uh, number of readings, your eyes glaze over uh, and you can't, you, you can't really read it anymore. So that's what the hardest part of the process is for me. Joe, how about you? What do you find the toughest part? Well, we had spoken once before, Linda, about uh, doing research. And, and I find for me, uh, when I'm doing uh, research, I fall in love with all kinds of things and I incorporate them all into the book during a quick kind of first draft. And then when that's done, I've got all of this beautiful stuff that just isn't moving the plot along. And then I'm like, okay, so then I actually have to, for instance, go, okay, well, what is behind this particular villain? What is behind uh, this killer? So between the rushed first draft, and I'm loving everything I want to put is in there, and then moving on to the actual next actual first draft of the story. Uh, when I wrote screenplays for novels, they were extremely tightly planned out. I had this big bulletin board about 10 feet long and I would detail absolutely everything. And then when I started writing novels, I just do it all kind of in, through drafts. So that's the horrible part is <laughs> writing 300 pages and then going, all right, well, half of this stuff isn't even going to make it into the book. So let's go back and actually start writing. And that's when it gets less fun. For me, I always, when I get halfway through, because I, I do a lot of outlining, but I leave a lot of space there invariably every single book I've ever written, every even the nonfiction I write, if I'm writing a, a, a textbook, I get to just past halfway and it's like, this stinks. I can't do this. I have, I run out of ideas. I have no idea where I'm going. Everything looks awful. I generally wind up putting it aside for a week or two and then something will happen and it'll get me going. But it's like that, 
I'm a morning person. Two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I need my tea and cookies or I just can't make it through the day. It's like, I do that in the book. That's a, the, the classic sagging middle, right? Yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny though, how it coincides with, you know, your biorhythms in your day. I get that in the daytime too. So I guess everyone's different with that. So you folks, all of you, we've all been writing a very long time. What is the thing you love most about being a writer? Joe, starting with you. Thinking about this question, so it's like, well, when I finish the big book or, but I think for me, it's I'll have a scene in my head. It will have an emotional resonance, like in my heart. I know where I want the scene to go emotionally. And when I write it and feel like what's working in my head is matching what was in my heart, the feeling. So the writing process and the feeling, and I'm like, this is so cool, man. This is so cool. <laughs> What about you? What's your favorite, favorite thing, the thing you, you love the most about writing, being a writer? I might have said this to you last time, but for me, it's the free write. So when I first start with something, I usually have a setting and I sort of imagine what might have happened in that setting. And then I write a chapter a night and I have two or three friends who are really willing to read along with me. They know they're not supposed to fix anything, but that's where it's just a great joy because it doesn't matter if I throw if I throw in something absurd, they're supposed to say, whoa, that makes no sense. I don't go back and fix it, but I do throw it out as I continue to write. So for me, it's the idea. I think the whole point of writing for me is it grounds me. It I can create a world that I can control, even if I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I can make the good guys win and the bad guys get punished. And it, it's a great joy. So it's the first strike that's my most fun. And Dick, how about you? I would kind of echo that. You know, my favorite part really, of course, we do the Panthers and Plotters thing. You all know the George R. R. Martin update to that, which is the architects and the gardeners, <laughs> and, and which I like a lot better than Panthers and Plotters. But anyway. You know, I'm a, I'm a pants. I fly by the seat of my pants. And the, the most fun for me is similar to what Sarah was saying, the first draft kind of thing where I can write badly. I can throw every crazy thing in that I think I might want. It's really just about getting some stuff down on paper that I can then work with later. But it's such a, it's exhilarating to be able to do that um, to the, to the extent that you can let yourself not look at what it is you're trying to do critically. Kind of blow it out on the page and get it there. And like you, I think that everyone is a plotter and a pantser or an architect and a gardener at the same time. It's just that, you know, there's different percentages and maybe some of us outline, we just don't write it on paper. We have it in our head. And I think for me, the most exciting thing is when you're halfway or three quarters of the way through the book and you're trying to figure out what happens and you realize, oh, wow, I already set the stage for that. It's already there. The seed is already there. And I just answered that right now because now I can tie that up. So I think, and, and it didn't happen to me as much in my early years writing, but as I go along, and this is why I think we're panthers and plotters at the same time, whether we think we are or not, your unconscious mind does all the things it needs to do. And it's familiar with the characters and it, it, it knows where you're going, even if your conscious mind doesn't. Mm. Yep. You know, so I think for me, that unconscious aspect of the of the writing is is really, really good. So, again, we, we kind of 
see, we're the same, but we're different. (laughs) You know, and that's how it is. I believe all of you have been members of writers group at different points in your career for different reasons. And I think it's important for people, for most of us, I think we all agree that you need support to some extent. Mm -hmm. Not everybody gets it from a writers group. What are your takes on how important the support and support of and connection with other writers are? Sarah, I'm going to start with you. My writing is extremely important to me. And I think getting the right writing group is kind of like getting married. So I've been on a lot of writing groups that just didn't work. And I stayed in them way too long. And I now have the most wonderful writing group, which means we're honest with each other. We're respectful. And it's tremendously helpful. When I first heard the question, I thought probably you were talking about other writers, like I belong to Sisters in Crime New England. And I was thinking about the writers that had helped me there. And the ones that had helped me most there were people who read every conference, Crime Bake, you can submit some writing. So Hank Philippi Ryan read one of my pieces and was very helpful. Lisa Lieberman read one and was very helpful and sort of helped me redirect how I was thinking about a story. And then there are just other writers who are just supportive and happy to see you. And uh, Edith Maxwell is one of those. So Mm -hmm. I think contact with other writers can be very encouraging and uh, connecting and supportive. Mm -hmm. Well, and support comes in different ways and there's all different kinds of writers. Dick, what's your take on that? You know, I think this whole thing, somebody, somebody said this to me early on when I started getting to know people who were doing the same kind of work. And they were talking to me about a tribe. And that's kind of what it feels like to me, whether you get that support through organizations. I have a whole bunch of friends in the Twitterverse, mm-hmm. right? That for whatever reason, make me feel like uh, I'm a real writer and make me feel <laughs> like I can say stupid things about writing and uh, it's not going to reflect badly on me. So yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's hugely important because what we do is so solitary. I mean, the, the work itself is so solitary that If you don't have some kind of support, whether it's from organizations like Sisters in Crime or Mystery Writers of America or or international thrillers or whatever it is, or some group of people that you connect with periodically, it's really, really hard. We've had a a COVID group, a bunch of us uh, that have been meeting every Friday night for drinks and snacks. And, you know, we now have been doing this for a year and it's been huge just as a way to keep your relationship together. And you do it on Zoom, right? Yeah, we do it on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. And it's better than not getting together. That's it. Joe, how do you see it? Well, I think I agree with what um, Dick and uh, were saying about it, in the sense that I've been in myself and in several uh, writers groups, some of which were eight-hour orgies of, like, writing, talking, and then drinking. <laughs> and then I you know, I just, and one other guy who's here, he was writing nonfiction when I was writing my first novel. I think it's incredibly important because of the solitude, just also to be able to talk about the craft and complain about it, but have people to show it to as well. I think I'm kind of the opposite of Dick, however, since the pandemic, I've been completely isolated. I don't think I've spoken to another writer other than <laughs> Linda a few months ago and the three of you today again. Um, other than that. So I think I feel very much the absence of it. It is difficult sometimes, like you said, it is a kind of marriage. You need to have people with similar abilities, you know, similar skill level, and people who are willing, who, who write, like for me, to, to get published, yeah. not to be uh, verified. So it cannot be that this writing is my heart, you better be careful with it. It's like, this is going to my agent, tell me everything that's 
stupid about it. And that's also hard to find. People who approach writing like that, who simply want feedback, they don't want um, affirmation. Yeah. I think it's extremely important, and I can feel the absence of it in my life this past year. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing is, I think if you want to get published, you're writing to get published, you're operating from a mindset, a business mindset. I think for me, I can still remember 30 years later, my first time walking into a, a writer's meeting. And I walked into a room of writers, my first writer's organization that I joined. And as soon as I walked into the room, it's like, I just settled. It's like, wow, these people think the same way I do. Because I think when you're creative, whether you're a writer or an artist or a musician or anyone who, who does creative work, and this is just my opinion, I've always felt just a little bit off, <laughs> a step off of everybody else. If we're all walking the same way, I'm just not exactly in sync with everybody. But when I'm with other writers or other creative people, I don't feel that way. So again, if you give your work to somebody like that and you say, hey, tell me what you think, I'm going to have some level of comfort with that. And, and again, if you want the support, you know, I can't get written. Like My boyfriend is a musician. Okay. He doesn't write, but I feel the same support from him if I'm talking about what I'm doing or plotting. His mind works the same way. Even though I'm having a problem, he may not read the book, but I can tell him the issue I'm having. He knows all the characters and he can help me. So I, I think the support is really important. I think it's also important that you have people you can be vulnerable about that kind of work with. Right. Um, and that's, that's where you get into the thing where, you know, people feel like I do or people understand what it is I'm doing. Well, you have to trust them. You don't want to be hurt. You want yeah. honesty, but everybody receives honesty differently and everybody gives it differently, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay, now I'm going to ask the last question. I know you all hate it, <laughs> but this is for those of us who write really big and we need to condense down. Who is your favorite writer and why in one sentence? Dick, I'm going to pick on you to go first. That's fine, because um, I thought about this. I have two. No, <laughs> no. I have... <laughs> Um, actually, my favorite writer at the moment, because this changes, uh, is probably John Sanford, who writes several series set in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, the, the middle part of the country. And the reason I love to read his stories is all of those series have characters that I just want to hang out with. The, the stories are sometimes violent. Sometimes the things that are going on are not that pleasant. But the, uh, but the characters, I just want to hang out with them. Okay. Joe, how about you? Well, uh, Dick stole my line there, so I have to recalculate it for a moment. I Elmore Leonard because I would love to hang out with, you know, the world that he used to uh, research and write about. Uh, but I would say, though, that I'm going to have to go with my, my daddy on this has to be Raymond Chandler, mm -hmm. maybe the greatest crime writer of all time. And the man, the author, whose books really um, opened my mind to noir as something I would I would like to write, something that this is not just a read it and toss it kind of thing. There's real social commentary going on here. There's something about that darkened world of noir man, that really drew me in. So I, I'd have to go today with Raymond Chandler. Okay, Sarah. Well, I have two favorite of all time authors that are children's authors. So they don't really bear on mystery, but E.B. White uh -huh. and Maurice Sendak. And I think because Maurice Sendak, just the fantastic book, Where the Wild Things Are, it's poetry, it's art, it's everything. And E.B. White, his Charlotte's Web, it's just so full of heart. And I think the best writing is what 
authors of children's books do at when they're at their best. So those are my two favorites. Now you do know E.B. White is the white of Strunken White, right? You know, I found that out recently. I guess and I knew he was the editor for the, is it the New Yorker or something else? Yeah. You wrote yeah. the talk of the town. Yeah, but a lot of people don't yeah, know that. Yeah, I know, I know. My favorite all-time author is Ed McBain, Evan Hunter, whatever name you want to do by. And because his characters are so tangible. And a lot of people look at me, you're a woman, you like Ed McBain? Oh, I love the 87th Precinct series. I love it, love it, love it, love it. If I could be Ed McBain, <laughs> the way he writes, you know, because when we write, don't, don't you write to elicit emotion, to elicit a response? And so we all like the characters. If we can't respond emotionally to the people in the books, then what's the point? So you guys want to ask each other questions? You want to ask a question? Feel free before we finish up. I'll, I'll ask a question because you're talking, you're talking about how much support we got from the writers. And I don't know if any of you felt this way, but I was so intimidated by other writers. So I would go to a conference and I would feel so inferior that it was very hard for me to mix with them. Is that just my own kind of quirkiness? Did no, I, have any I, of you? I, I, I think that's I think that's very common. I mean, especially when you're when you're learning how to define yourself yeah. as a writer, because I think you know I think the most important thing a teacher ever said to me is, and this is just as flat as anything, but if you're writing, you're a writer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's not a function of whether you're on the New York Times bestseller list or whether you've published with a big press or a small press or an independent press or you self-published or, or whatever. If you're writing, you're a writer. And yeah, I think that's something that, in my experience, a lot of people go through when they go to conferences. I think everybody does. Some people just don't admit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. But this is why it's good to go back. Yeah. Any other questions? I'm interested in what everybody's reading right now. I have a stack like this big. <laughs> how, about one, how about one book that you're reading? Right well, now? I'm, I'm actually yeah. into Janet Ivanovich's Stephanie Plum series. There's okay. two of them. For some reason, I, I really need a laugh. So <laughs> that makes me laugh. Yeah. I just read a, a great book called Arrest. I just finished it today, which is funny because it was one of those things that you read the blurb in the paper. And it was about two screenwriters who realize after whatever the apocalypse is that happens, that the way the post-apocalyptic world unfolds is right out of one of their screenplays. Ah. Bought that book right away. In terms of a successful blurb, I'm like, really? So I bought that right away. And it's a hilarious book about the, um, really about what would happen if uh, bloody-minded movie producers survived after the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading up the latest uh, Walter Mosley as well. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to expand my mystery reading into people of color. So what I'm reading right now is The Cutting. It's terrible because I don't have the book right here to say who the author is. And there's a multicultural mystery group that Lisa Lieberman has organized. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first book in that series. So that's just been interesting for me. So I've, I've got two or three so far authors that I'm following. Good. Got to broaden your horizons, right? Yeah, I've got a lot to learn. Yeah, I'm reading uh, Attica Locke right now, Bluebird, 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 which is just wonderful. It's Attica Locke. Oh, it is. Okay. Look at that. The same. You're on the same wavelength, right? Here we go. Right through Zoom. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for joining me on this panel. I really, really appreciate it. Joe Gannon, Richard J. Cass, and Sarah Osborne, thanks so much. Hope to have you back again. Yeah, thank, thank you, Linda. Lots of fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great chatting. Yeah.